Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome. This is episode two of the Paul Ryder Tapes. I'm Angela Smith. I'm the ex-wife of Paul Ryder. And as everyone knows, he tragically passed away in July of 2022. We'd no idea that he was going to die so soon as he came to the studio every week for several months and we literally finished recording this story just 12 days before he passed away. Coming up in this episode... They had a warehouse party full of... Uh, in a warehouse full of stock and obviously he had loads of mats in there like, oh, fucking hell, I'll have these, oh yeah, you know what I mean? And uh, yeah, it was like a miniature crowd spree. Sean asked the drums. Oh, my God. No way. Uh, the last time I do remember the last time I seen him. Yeah. Yeah, I remember the last time I saw it. <laughs> You're setting me off. <laughs> it helps because I don't like the person he became. Right. I don't like who he is. Do you hope that one day you'll reconcile and be friends again? Yeah, I'm sure it'll happen one day. Yeah. Yeah. How do you think he would feel if he got a call one day saying that you were dead? So what was your vision for yourself when you were when you were still at school? Like mm-hmm. most people from where we come and we come from like towns probably three or four miles from each other. Yeah. Most of the people I was at school with aspired to staying where they were, getting married, having kids and just and getting a regular job and yeah. Uh, where where did you see your future at that point? Did you think you'd end up living where you were born or moving away or what was... What, I what nearly was... got sucked into that mentality. I, um, I got a proper job at a post office when I was 16 and a girlfriend and we got engaged at 19... You know, and that was the plan. You get your job, you get your girlfriend, you get engaged, get married, get a house, have a family. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and then I, I realised that I didn't want to do that. I still wanted to be on top of the pops. 
Paul's mum, Linda, remembers the day that the brothers decided to form a band. The day that Paul said he wanted to start a band, the very same day, Sean had been to see David Essex in That'll Be The Day and he came in and said, I want to start a band, I want to be in That'll Be The Day like David Essex. And Paul said, oh, that's funny that because I've decided I want to be in a band today. I just thought they were doing it to keep themselves occupied and just entertain themselves. Ah, so you never forgot that dream. Never forgot that dream. Did you ever share that with your fiancé, that dream? No, no, not at all. It was just kept in my own head. Somebody came to the house to teach him the bass. We found him a tutor. And then after that, he said, I don't want him to come anymore because, like Derek with the piano, when the piano teacher told his mother... He was putting things in that wasn't in the sheet music. Well, Paul had started putting his own twiddly bits in. Do you know what changed it all? Smoking weed. Really? Yeah. It kind you of don't was... smoke weed now at all, do you? Not Living s- in California, you don't smoke weed. I know. Not since, um, not since Iceland, when we went in the Blue Lagoon. Really? That's the last that time That was the last smoked... time I smoked a weed. And why did you stop? Isn't it funny how they say a weed in England? Mm. Smoked a weed. A weed. Here it's some weed. So why why did you stop at that particular because point? Because typical addict behaviour, I overdid it and it sent me paranoid. In Iceland you were paranoid? No, no, no. Smoking weed. Right. But why why the particular why was Iceland the last time that you ever did it? Because I felt like I got cured in the blue lagoon. You've never told me this before. No. You felt like you got cured of what? Smoking. Smoking. Really? Yeah, in not cigarettes, but in the, that was the last time I smoked. Sean asked for drums. Oh, my God. No way. I think we need to explain the relevance of this. Yeah, so we met on that trip in Iceland when I was working for MTV mm-hmm. and I was sent to to do a piece on you on the band doing a gig in Iceland. That's right. And that's where we very first met. And you was the first one to put the Mondays on uh, MTV? I think so. Yeah. Crash Bang Wallet. Well, it was just before you were kind of famous in Europe, wasn't it? It was when mm-hmm. you'd re- released the Hallelujah EP. Mm-hmm. I think all the road knew about oh. it. And I remember we, we filmed the gig and we, did a, we made a live video of the gig to the Hallelujah EP because I don't think there'd been a video done at that point. I no, I don't think so. No. But I know that we put that out. And I remember, <laughs> I remember meeting you. I remember when we got to Iceland and you had a massive entourage of crew. Yeah. And we were at the airport and I thought, oh, we need a shot of the band leaving the airport. But mm-hmm. you'd all got on the bus by then. Yeah. Weepers, twatters, twitters, or whatever you call them, twerpers. I was like, we need, we need this shot. We need to establish you arriving in in Iceland. But the really embarrassing thing was, I didn't know who was in the band and who was in the crew, and I knew mm-hmm. that if I got on the bus and said, "Can we have the band?" And, and and let the band know, let the crew know that I didn't know who was in the band and who wasn't. I'd have had half the crew instead of the band yeah, pretending to probably. be in the band. 
So I had to come up with a really clever way of working out who was in the band and who wasn't and no. navigating my way through that. I was just glad then that Sean got fed yeah. up and yeah, decided yeah, yeah. he thinks he'll be a singer. How did you do that? I don't remember. I think I literally just said, can we have the band? Mm -hmm. just, just hoping that they didn't realise that I didn't know exactly which who was who. Okay. And so you all came. And that was the, probably the first time we saw each other. Yeah. yeah. And I remember doing a shot of you all walking out of the airport and getting okay. onto the bus. And this was pre Roetta wasn't involved at that point, was she? She wasn't at, on that trip. No, she wasn't. As far as I remember. Yeah, so we mustn't have done Step On. No, it was no. before Step On. It was, this was this was Hallelujah. Right. It was before Pills and Thrills. Oh right, yeah, she definitely wasn't with yeah. us then. So then we we filmed you coming out of the airport, and I remember with I was with my friend Laura, who was my PA. I, I was directing, and um, we were we were there for two nights. And we were like, oh, we're going to be partying. It's the Happy Mondays, <laughs> and you'd flown directly from Amsterdam to Iceland, <laughs> and you'd all been so wrecked in Amsterdam, that you all went to bed early the first <laughs> night. We were like, what? These are meant to be the party animals. That's and it just good. didn't happen. <laughs> and then the next night, I remember you making eyes at me from up the... Up, there were some stairs in the hotel. I remember you, like, staring at me a bit too long. I was like, oh, I think he's looking at me. <laughs> and then the gig was the following night. That's right. I remember you being really nice backstage. We were in the dressing room filming, and I remember... Bez was limbering up to hot chocolate. Right. He was literally doing exercises with hot chocolate in the dressing room on full blast. And then you were really attentive and then making sure we had drinks and, like, being nice to us. Oh. I remember that. Yeah. And then we filmed the gig, and do you remember Bez threw up on the cameraman's shoes? <laughs> I think he'd had, like, a few too many E's or something. Yeah. And he literally threw up while the cameraman was on stage filming the drummer, filming Gaz. I had it's no like, idea. Let's throw up on my shoes. <laughs> yeah, that was a quite a, a, a bad trip, to, to say the least, you know what I mean? And the funny thing yeah. was, uh, they had a warehouse party full of, uh, in a warehouse full of stock, and obviously had loads of mats in there, like, oh, fucking hell, I'll have these, oh, yeah, you know what I mean? And, uh, yeah, it was like a miniature crown spree went on at the time as well. So, anyway, we, we met in Iceland and you did some more filming at the Blue Lagoon. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great trip swimming at the Blue Lagoon. It was one of those uh, memorable, um, you know, uh, gigs, you know what I mean? A weekend in, in where was it? Uh, Rackin, Rackin, yeah, Rackin Vic, yeah, yeah. And that's when I went into this blue lagoon, covered myself with this white sand. Mud, wasn't mud, it? White mud, yeah. And when I came out, I felt all cleansed and I never touched a joint again. Yeah, but you touched a few other things. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I touched a hell of a lot more, but, um, yeah. but I never smoked weed after that. I never knew that. Mm. I never knew that. 17 that's... years and I never knew that. You didn't know it. No. <laughs> you always told me that you, you you didn't smoke it since you were in the Caribbean, I think. No, it was it was no. Iceland. Iceland. Wow. Because it, it was typical addict, like I say, I was just doing it every... I couldn't get out of bed without a joint. Couldn't go to bed without one. Couldn't get dressed without one. Wow. Couldn't go out of the house unless I had a joint. It just took over everything. Wow. Mm-hmm. And then, how odd then that 
it probably saved your son's life a few years later. I know. But we'll come to that. We'll come to, we'll that, come that, to that in a little bit. So, yeah, I was going down the path of uh, girlfriend, job, mortgage, marriage, and then I discovered marijuana. And it kind of opened my mind a bit, expanded it, and it was like, I don't want to do what everyone else is doing. You know, I want to do something different. Still wanted to travel, still wanted to be on top of the pops. Right. Um, but I was stuck at the post office for quite a few years. And Paul met one of his very best friends, Andy Hardy, when he was working at the post office. This was way before the band, way before the band. Paul had his, uh, you know, his, his side parting and his uh, little kind of coloured quiff in his hair, which he refused to uh, remove. He was told by managers in the post office to get rid of the the purple stroke pink quiff in his hair, which Paul refused to get rid of. So for that, he was punished and dispatched from where he was working to where I was working, and that's kind of where we met. Fridays was our big day. Friday was payday, and back in the day, you wait anxiously for your uh, wage packet to tip up on a on a Friday morning about ten o'clock. Always paid in cash. The money would arrive, and you'd all stand there rubbing your hands, waiting for yours to be shouted out. And then we'd always head off to the pub. Friday afternoon was pub afternoon, so me and Paul, as soon as we got our wages, as soon as the uh, clock struck twelve. That was it. Coats on, out of the door, up to the bull's head. Had uh, a game of Space Invaders and various other things, usually two pints. Two pints in those days when you first started drinking was a lot of alcohol. And uh, we'd head back to the post office, always late on a Friday, and then go and hide somewhere. I love that job, though. I delivered, I delivered tel telegrams. Uh, naked? Delivered, not naked. <laughs> but my claim to fame is I delivered... The last telegram in northwest of England. Did you? Then the day after, it was scrapped. Who was it to? Can you remember? I think it was making somebody redundant. Oh, no, that's not very romantic, <laughs> no. is it? No, we had to do a lot of that redundancy uh, telegrams. When me and Paul went out um, on our post office driving training, that was in the summer of 1981, just in the middle of the riots. It was kicking off everywhere. And I remember one day the driving instructor said, where do you want to go today? So we said, can we go to Liverpool? Because it was kicking off in Toxteth then, you know what I mean? The place. So we thought, well, let's, let's go to Toxteth and see what it looks like. Like a couple of days after the place was kind of burnt, burnt down. And so we were driving up Upper Parliament Street. Me and Paul had been told off on numerous occasions by the driving instructor for misbehaving in the back of the car. We'd both, um, you know, kind of pull faces at each other whilst the other one was driving, trying to put them off, you know, doing all kinds of stuff, getting on his nerves. And I think we were driving up Upper Parliament Street and then finally the uh, driving instructor completely lost it. He had a complete meltdown. Police vans everywhere, fire engines, ambulances everywhere. There was smoke everywhere. Driving instructor just slammed the brakes on the, the car, leapt out of the car, runs around. Paul was driving at the time, runs around to Paul's side of the car, pulls the door open, grabs Paul out of the car, yanks him out of the car, takes him round, pins him on the bonnet, and he said, right, if you carry on mess, messing about, I'm going to smash your face in. With that, Lee chucks Paul on the floor, runs around to the other side, opens my door, drags me out, 
pulls me to the back of the bar, pins me onto the boot of the car and said, same goes for you. But sheepishly, we got back in the car. Not a word was spoken. Me and Paul, lips trembling like that, all the way back to Manchester. Oh, it was hilarious. Hilarious. Yeah, we behaved after that. What kind of television shows were you watching at this, other than Top of the Pops? Um, the Old Grey Whistle Test. Oh, yeah, that was a good one. Sunday night. Yeah, my dad would go off. Bob. Yeah, my dad would, and mum would go off to the folk club and we'd go around to Pat and Matt's house, my Auntie Mary's house, doing the record thing. But on Sundays, it was um, always the Old Grey Whistle Test. Yeah. And I loved it, and that was like a, a more mature Top of the Pops. Yeah. It was quite prog rock, though, wasn't it? Yeah, there was a the lot of prog test. rock. Yeah. A lot of it. Do you remember watching Tony Wilson on Garada Reports and having an opinion about him? Um, I remember his TV show. Is it called So It, Go so it yeah. Goes? Yeah, I remember him on So It Goes because he was having punk bands on. Yeah. That was around about the time punk was exploding. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought it was okay. Never... I didn't think, oh, I don't like him. No, he was very flamboyant and very a real maverick newsreader, wasn't he? Yeah. I yeah. remember him doing his show with his big long scarves on and stuff. <laughs> and he got uh, he got sacked a couple of times for swearing on air. Did he? Yeah, but they always took him back because he was yeah. a great character. He was amazing, wasn't he? Great amazing. character. Holidays, family holidays. Tell me about those. Last two weeks in August, all the way through high school, the last two weeks in August, we always went to the same place, same caravan. That's Perrinport in Cornwall. Yeah, and what kind of things did you do? Um, well, when we first started going, I was only 11 years old. Right. So it was just a beach thing, and there's big waves there, so you could go bodyboarding. Right. So I did a bit of that. Yeah. But by the time I was, like, 14, I still went on holiday with my parents, but I was going in the pub. Really? Oh, 14? 14, yeah. With Sean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and did they know that you were drinking? Yeah. They didn't mind? No, they didn't mind. It was a pub garden, uh, in the gardens, and Im and Dave used to sneak a little shandy, I think. Would you say that they were very kind of liberal parents for the time, or were they normal? Like, were they more liberal than reg regular parents, do you think, or not? I think they was pretty liberal. They didn't drink when I was growing up. Mm. My parents never drank. Um, it was only later on in life they both started drinking. Yeah. So, yeah, they was pretty liberal. They yeah. just let us do what we was doing. Do you think that they should have been more disciplined with you? I don't think so, no. No? no. Maybe history would have been different. Would have been very different. Yeah. And what, how would you describe your relationship with your mum and dad? Great. Really good. Yeah? Yeah. Always? Always really good, yeah. And what about... I think I tried leaving home when I was 12 because they wouldn't let me have a salamander. What's one of those? A lizard. <laughs> I wanted a lizard and they said no, so I left home. Paul decided he wanted a tropical lizard and Derek said, no way, if you think we're keeping that lamp on and heating the thing up all the time, and what'll happen... Your mother will end up looking after it, or I will. You are not having a tropical lizard. Right, I'm leaving home. So he gathered his washing off uh, the maiden, 
the wet washing that was drying, got a little backpack, and Sean came in and he said, I've just seen Paul with a like a suitcase on his back. Where's he going, peddling like that? Oh, he's left home. He's gone to Nana's because he can't have a tropical lizard. Oh, anyway, it got to tea time and he came sneaking in. And I said, well, what are you doing here? He said, um, oh, I thought I might as well come home. He said, because they're only having chips and eggs, so I've come home for my chicken dinner. 
Um, his answer was, I don't want to know. What did you say? I can't remember. Come on, what did you say? I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, you can. I can't. <laughs> it's happened like three times and I'll never do it again. I mean, you better kind of fill people in because people see you playing on the stage with him mm -hmm. and I'm sure they would assume that you and the rest of the band have some kind of relationship with him. Explain how that works. Well, he doesn't travel with the band. He travels separate, which is great. It works out fine for all of us. We, mm -hmm. He travels separate. Me, Gaz, Mark Day, Dan on keyboards and Roetta, we all travel together. Mm. And we just see Sean five minutes before we go on stage. And what about sound checks? He's not done sound checks for 20 years. Really? Mm -hmm. And what about after the shows? What happens then? Well, usually we end up with end the set with Rope for Luck, which kind of turns into a jam for five minutes. Mm. And he's off stage and out the door and in his car and gone while we're still playing. Every single show? Yeah. Yeah. Do you say... He thinks he's James Brown. <laughs> Do you say hello to him if you pass him, like, before the show? Like, Some, if... Sometimes I'll nod. Sometimes he'll nod. We don't really do eye contact. Wow. But once we're on stage, all that's forgotten. And the most important thing is doing the show. Hmm. What's your dynamic like on the stage? It's okay. Yeah. Didn't he used to hurl abuse at you? Yeah, he doesn't do it anymore. Oh, he used to snide comments all the time. Like what? Um, well, the last one he did, he was calling me miserable and I never smiled. Right. So um, I took the microphone off him and I said, you're just a cock. Yeah. And 20,000 people cheered. <laughs> <laughs> I remember once he pulled a, a fake gun on you in a show. That I was at. Remember, he pretended oh, yeah, to be shot. Oh, yeah, he watched me to pretend to be shot and fall on the floor. Yeah. I, I don't do that. No. No. Like, but yeah, there was, there was tension for years on stage. For years and years and years. In the early days, there was tension. But I think that tension gave us an edge. I was just going to say the same thing. I think without that tension, maybe you would be losing something. Mm -hmm. So maybe that tension is part of what makes the Mondays magic. Mm. Yeah. I mean, the tension's not there anymore, and we, but we're doing better shows. Right. The tension is still there, because you're still not speaking. That's true. And what about his relationship with the other members of the band? Um... He gets on okay with everyone. Does he speak to them though? Does he, I mean, no, he's, he's yeah. friendly with bears, but... Friendly with bears, but he's friendly with everyone. We've all had our turn. Yeah. Rowetta's up been slagged off. Yeah. Gazars, Mark Day. He's slagged us all off. Yeah. For many years, still doing it. Yeah. Why won't he write an album with you? Oh, will he write an album with you? Um, maybe that'll happen one day. But why do you think it's not? I mean, you, you're constantly asked to do a new album. What? Yeah, we're not even on the same book, never mind the same page. No. Mm. Maybe if we do a bit of healing between our relationship, then maybe an album might come out of it. Right. But up until then, yeah. it, it's just impossible to work with him. Why is that? 
because because he actually doesn't want me and Gaz involved in the music. He wants to do it all himself. But he doesn't play any instruments. I know. That's Sean mm. for you. Right. That's his, uh, that's his latest. Really? Yeah. Okay, let's, let's break, move on. <laughs> break on that one. I'm getting too hot again. All right. Have we done enough? No, not quite. Okay. Do a bit more. Mm -hmm. Let me have a sig and a, yeah. sig and a piss. <laughs> that got heavy. <laughs> you got stuff out of me, no one got out of me. <laughs> Andy Hardy, Paul's friend from the post office days, if he remembered the last time he'd seen him? Uh, the last time, I do remember the last time I seen him, yeah. Yeah, I remember the last time I saw him. <laughs> You're setting me off. <laughs> the last time I saw him was um, September, God, when was that? Was it 20, September 21, I think it was. Right. Um, he came over to do a <clears throat> Strawberry Studios um, thing at um, in Stockport. And it, yeah. it, when he came over, he said, oh, do you want to come to this thing with me that I'm doing? It's a kind of, I think it's was, I don't know, 25 years of Strawberry Studios and he had to kind of give a speech. Um, and they had bands on, people who worked in Strawberry Studios went there and said a few words on stage and Paul being one of them. So I think he sent me a text message saying, I'm doing this thing on a Tuesday night. Do you want to come with me? I said, yeah, I'll come with me. And then he turns around and says, oh, bring one of our other mates, Dave, with us. So me, Paul and Dave, uh, Paul picked us up in the car and then we went down to Strawberry Studios, had a few pints. Paul kind of got ushered off and had to kind of go down there on stage and everything and give his speech. Um, me and Paul went out for cigarettes various outside and had a kind of chat out there went back in for drinks went out for fags went in for drinks and uh and that was the last time i saw him never saw him again after that but we had loads of good times we had loads of good times we had loads of fun loads of fun loads of fun me yeah. and paul loads of fun. just laughed about everything laughed about everyone took the piss out of everyone mercilessly and uh yeah had a great he's a fantastic we got on fantastically me and paul and he was always the same throughout his life fame fortune he was always the same guy oh no airs and graces no pretensions he was a wonderful yeah. guy miss him so much even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Please join us again next week for some really special guests. We're going to be talking to Mark, Gaz and PD, the very original Monday's keyboard player, who is just brilliant. And, of course, Linda and Sandra are going to be back. Here's a sneak preview. But is it difficult for you to talk about all of this? Yeah, really difficult. Why? Because I'm, I'm more of a private person and I don't like people knowing what I'm thinking. And right. I'm, I'm giving away a lot of stuff. 
so it's um yeah it makes me nervous he wants to look at crotchets and quavers on the stave <laughs> sat there like mozart you know what i mean sat that <laughs> when he had his house in crumsel and there was these two old there was in the post office these three old really old jewish women with these big glasses and he said fucking nice from dmc and 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 things like and things like that and 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 he was just and he was he was the funniest person I've ever met in my life. We're playing out with the first single that was released from the Big Arm album, Flashbacks, which is soon going to be re-released. If you're watching this on video, see if you can spot our son Chico, who got caught in a shot carrying a tripod. It was a bit of a low-budget shoot, that one. Thanks so much for being here and helping to make this the number one music podcast earlier this week in the UK. After our first recording session, Paul turned to me and asked if I thought anyone would be interested in what he had to say. So I just really wish he'd live long enough to know that, yeah, they are. If you've not already done so, please give us a nice review and subscribe to our Glistening Stories YouTube channel. Go to the website at paulrider.tv for links to all the socials and to leave a voice note if you'd like to share a memory of Bob. Thank you so much for listening. See you next week. Bye. This project was brought to you by Glistening Productions. Cameras were by Richard Venti and Phil Smethers. Offline editing was Phil Smethers, Richard Haywood, Terence Holloway and Richard Venti. And online editing, also Richard Haywood. Titles were by Matt Carroll from Central Station. And the music, of course, is Paul Ryder and Big Arm. The associate producer is the lovely Sarah Walters and it was produced and directed by Angela Smith. The executive producers are Angela Smith and M. Jacoby. Special thanks, of course, must go to Linda Ryder, Sandra Whelan, Andy Hardy and, of course, Bez. But, of course, more than anything, big thanks to the absolute star of the show, the late, great Paul Ryder. Check out Glistening Productions, other podcasts, Soul Bear Sessions, Accidentally Milk and Frame for Murder, which is coming soon. If you want to watch the video version of this podcast, it's premiering on our YouTube channel, Glistening Stories, at 8pm UK time on Sunday, July 23rd.
dog shoes. <laughs>